Hey guys, this is April with the For Richer or Horror podcast, and I missed last week. Surprisingly, I was on vacation from work and I still didn't upload. Uh, I was just being super lazy, you know, spending time with my family, just sleeping, <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. I just couldn't. I didn't have the motivation in me, but I'm back this week with an episode on the baseline killer. This story is uh one that is kind of near and dear to me i'll explain later um it's just kind of a little bit sentimental for me uh which is gonna sound really weird because this is such a horrific story it's really bad this guy's super fucked up but um i just have a personal connection to it so let's get this started with uh mark goudeau he was uh the baseline killer obviously the previous name to the baseline killer was the baseline rapist um this happened in phoenix arizona where i'm from he was a construction worker prior to being sentenced he committed nine murders 10 rapes five additional robberies and the span of his crimes went from august 6th 2005 to june 29th 2006 as the baseline killer and the baseline rapist he did commit murder i mean he did commit crimes prior to this but they weren't related as the baseline killings baseline rapings so his list of criminal charges are nine counts of murder five counts of sexual assault three counts of attempted sexual assault 10 counts of kidnapping 12 counts of armed robbery four counts of attempted arm armed robbery three counts of sexual abuse nine counts of sexual misconduct with a minor 13 counts of aggravated assault and then three counts of indecent exposure he is currently sentenced to death he's apprehended september 4th of 2006 his status is incarcerated and just a little um additional mark doe aka the baseline killer is an american abductor robber serial rapist and leader serial killer who was active in arizona from 2005 to 2006 this incidentally coincided with another case of serial killings in the area um that serial killer was known as the serial shooter i'm not sure how they were ever able to like how they were able to differentiate between the two because mark Udo also killed his victims with a gun so i'm not sure how they knew well oh, that's so stupid of me to say what kind of gun was used that's probably going to be a good indicator between knowing if it's the serial shooter or the ser or the baseline killer wow that was stupid april good job well anyway there were the two uh killers uh active at the same time a little bit of background about mark gudo so mark gudo was born on september 6th of 1964 in phoenix arizona he was the second youngest of 13 children um his parents were willie and alberta willie was a car dealer lot attendant and alberta was a maid they uh later divorced Willie was said to be a very strict parent, though the household was somewhat peaceful, is what the siblings had said. Um, other siblings said that Willie was verbally abusive and that uh, alcoholism ran in the family. So Alberta, the mom, died in 1976 when Gudo was 12 years old. Uh, he went to high school at Corona del Sol High in Tempe, Arizona. He was good at sports, played football for the school team. Uh, he didn't graduate, though, due to not having enough credits. 
on September 7th of 1982, he and a brother were arrested for raping a young woman, but no charges were pursued. He had a bit of a crack problem, which led to a career in violent crimes. He was charged with an additional three counts of aggravated assault, armed robbery, and kidnapping. He even beat a woman's head with a barbell. The crimes did start small, though. He was charged with trespassing. Trespassing? What the hell was that? He was charged with trespassing in 1987 and uh, driving under the influence the following year. Um, and then in August of 1989, the violent crimes began. He was charged with abducting a woman, brutally raping and bludgeoning her. He claimed that she willingly had oral sex with him and that the rape and assault was the work of two other men. He was sentenced to 15 years for the abduction and 20 years for the um, a robbery he committed in 1990. He only served 13 of the 36 years that he was sentenced because he was a quote-unquote model inmate. And so in 2004, he was paroled and moved into a house not far from where the baseline killings started. And he moved with his wife, Wendy Carr. Though his neighbors all knew that he had served time in jail, he was so well-liked that they could look past it. He got a job as a construction worker for a company called Select Build. And then a year after his parole, the baseline killer crimes began. So, Gudo was first referred to as the baseline rapist when Phoenix police announced that light-skinned black man was sexually assaulting females as young as 12 years old at gunpoint near Baseline Road in South Phoenix. Gudo would later be dubbed the baseline killer in the spring of 2006 after investigators linked him to a series of murders and armed robberies, and then the crimes later spread north primarily to the north central area of Phoenix. So now we'll kind of go on to his timeline of crimes. There's a lot of them. This is an extensive list. So the first crime attributed to the baseline killer took place on August 6, 2005 at 7202 South 48th Street in Phoenix, which is near Baseline Road. Um, the perpetrator forced three young girls behind a church and molested two of them. On August 14th, 2005, there was a combined sexual assault and robbery at 4 10 a.m. at 2425 East Thomas Road. Uh, September 8th, 2005, homicide was at 1 a.m. on Mill Avenue, which is a very well-known area in Phoenix. Uh, Mill Ave on Tempe is where everyone at ASU goes to party. Everyone out of college still goes there to party. I've actually never been there though. I have no desire to go to Mill. I just don't want to. But um, that was a 19-year-old Georgia Thompson. On September 15th, 2005, um, there was a sexual assault at 9.40 a.m. September 20th, 2005, a sexual assault at 10.30 um, on Vineyard Road in Phoenix. Uh, while walking home from a Phoenix City Park at night, two sisters, one of them clearly pregnant, were approached by Gudo, who was armed with a gun. He sexually assaulted one of the sisters while pushing the gun into the other sister's pregnant belly. So September 28th, 2005, there was a robbery on Baseline Road. 
September 28th, the same day, he was busy that day, there was a combined sexual assault and robbery at 9.30 on Central Avenue, November 3rd, 2005. This is another busy day for him. There was a separate robbery at 801 at Cupid's Toy Box, a lingerie store. Then a sexual assault at 810 across the street from the robbery. There was another robbery on 32nd Street. A man with dreadlocks and a fisherman's hat walked into a shop and robbed it at gunpoint for $720. Less than 10 minutes later, he abducted a woman, placing items in a parking lot donation receptacle uh, across the street. He sexually assaulted her in her car and demanded she drive him to the corner because he just committed a robbery. The victim said he wore a Halloween costume and black plastic glasses. On November 7th, 2005, there were three separate robberies. 8.08 p.m. on 32nd Street, a string of robberies occurred, starting with four people at gunpoint inside Las Brasas, a Mexican restaurant. He went next door to a Little Caesars pizza and robbed three people inside. Immediately preceding the pizza restaurant, he robbed four people outside on the street. He reportedly stole $463 and fired a round into the air as he fled. Uh, next one, he took a little break because the next one's not till December. <laughs> he took a month off. On December 12th, 2005 at 6.55 p.m., there was a homicide on 40th Street. This one is kind of going back to Baseline Road. A lot of them kind of strayed from Baseline Road. Actually, a lot of them were like two miles from my work. That's terrifying. Glad I only worked nine to five and I don't have to stay there at night. On December 12th, Tina Washington, a 39-year-old woman, was on her way home from a preschool where she worked. A witness spotted a man with a drawn gun standing over her body behind a fast food restaurant. She had been shot in the head, unfortunately. Following day, December 13, 2005, a robbery took place at 4 p.m. A woman was robbed on South Mountain Avenue in Phoenix. Took the holidays off because next one was February. February 20th of 2006, there was a homicide at 7.38 in the morning. The bodies of 38-year-old Romelia Vargas and 34-year-old Myrna Palma Roman were found shot to death inside their snack truck at 91st Avenue and Lower Buckeye Road. Initially, police didn't connect this crime to the baseline killer, believed that the murders were actually drug-related, but um, the murderers were officially linked by police in July of 2006. On March 15th, 2006, at 9 a.m., a double homicide was discovered on... Ooh, that's really close to my work. 24th Street. Uh, two employees of Yoshi's Restaurant. Oh, I've been to this Yoshi's. Oh, that's so sad. Two employees of Yoshi's Restaurant were on their way home in the same vehicle. Liliana Sanchez Cabrera, age 20, was found dead in the parking lot of another fast food restaurant while the body of Chow Cho, 23, was discovered about a mile away. Both victims were shot in the head. Previously, Mark Kudo hadn't targeted men. He'd only gone after women. This was an incidental murder. Uh, he hadn't expected Liliana to be accompanied by anyone, and so he resultingly shot Chow. So March 29th, 2006, homicide at 12 o'clock midnight. 
Um, a body was discovered on North 24th Street. A local businessman noticed streaks of blood on the gravel of a parking lot. The police were called, but a search of the area turned up nothing of real value. Um, a week later, though, the businessman discovered the badly decomposed body of 26-year-old Kristen Nicole Gibbons as he was investigating horrible odor in the area. She, too, had been shot in the head. The weird thing is about, like, a lot of these places that are, like, north-central Phoenix, like, that's right across the street from the Biltmore, which is, like, a really nice area, so this kind of baffles me. Um, I mean, not to say that because you live in a nice area, crime isn't going to happen, but I don't know. I just, I tend to like think that I feel safe, but it's like, well, this can still happen. It did. So next one is April 10th of 2006 was the murder of Sofia Nunez. She was killed in her home. It originally wasn't attributed to the baseline killer until the ballistic evidence was compared to that of other baseline killer victims, all of whom were shot with the same gun. May 1st, 2006 at 9 p.m., a man in a latex Halloween mask abducted a woman in a car and sexually assaulted her at gunpoint. She was taken from outside the same restaurant where the November 7th crimes occurred. May 5th, 2006, Phoenix police went public with a list of 18 crimes that were believed to be the work of the baseline killer. The number had then risen to 23 um, by August 2nd of 2006. June 29th, 2006, 9.30 p.m., homicide occurred. Carmen Miranda, 37, was abducted from a self-serve car wash located half block from the May 1st and November 7th crimes while she was on her phone. She was found dead from a gunshot to the head behind a barber shop about uh, 100 yards away. The attack was captured on a closed circuit television, and this is the last crime attributed to the baseline killer before he got caught. Some other crimes, these were the ones when Marcudo was younger. It was the um, rape that he committed along with his brother. It was November 7th, 1982 of Donna Sink, and they were unfortunately not charged for the crime. And then August 6th, 1989, Darlene Fernandez was raped and not fatally bludgeoned with a barbell. It wasn't discovered that Mark Hudo was the rapist in the Darlene Fernandez case until 2016. I keep trying to say 2006, I don't know why. But in 2016, it was discovered that there had been the assault in 1985 um, that had been connected to the baseline killer. DNA evidence was preserved and tested, and the DNA did match that of Mark Gudo. Unfortunately, he cannot be tried for the crime due to the statute of limitations expiring in 1990, since it was committed in 1985. So this will then lead us to the investigation that took place. Although not initially linked, the crimes were distinguished by having no apparent motive and the murders were particularly brutal, with the killer often shooting the victims in the head. The criminal was often described wearing various disguises, such as a Halloween mask, as well as attempting to impersonate a homeless man or a drug addict. Police say that the shell casings 
found at each of the crime scenes all came from the same gun. Phoenix police spent thousands of hours patrolling and followed up on hundreds of tips during the summer of 2006. As residents of Phoenix became increasingly alarmed by the random nature of the violent crimes, community meetings were called by the police to distribute a sketch based on the description given by the surviving victims. Frustration and fear like blanketed the city as posters and billboards displayed the sketch of the baseline killer, even offering a $100,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. It took the police over a year to finally come up with a viable suspect. Mark Hudo was uh, at the time on community supervision, also known as parole, with the Arizona Department of Corrections and supervised out of the Northeast Parole Office. In August 2006, parole officers in the Northeast Parole Office provided information to the Phoenix Police Department Task Force, suggesting that Mark Goudeau matched the sketch of the baseline killer. Parole officers searched Mark Goudeau's residence and found a ski mask and a realistic toy handgun. I suppose they were able to do so since he was on parole, but the police couldn't. So police used that information obtained by the parole officers to obtain a search warrant for uh, Gudo's residence and found additional items that linked him to crimes committed by the baseline killer, which included uh, the ring of one of the victims was found in his shoe and traces of Chow Cho's blood was found in a shed. So this brings me to uh, my connection to the story. So the lead investigator of the Marcudo baseline killer case was a Phoenix police detective, Alex Feminia. He had a 30 year career with the Phoenix police department, served 10 years as a homicide detective. He was the lead detective in 105 homicidal uh, investigations and was awarded the most outstanding investigator in 2006. That year he was credited for a apprehending the baseline serial killer and was honored with the governor of Arizona award. And then in his law enforcement career, Alex was the recipient of 125 commendations and a life-saving medal. And then preceding the apprehension of the baseline killer, he did move on to the DA's office. My connection is that's my uncle. <laughs> uh, my uncle was the lead investigator and apprehended Barcudo as the baseline killer. So that's a bit of a proud moment for me. Of course, there were other suspects in the case, one of which was Terry Wayne Smith. There were a lot of supporters of Mark Goudeau. They thought he was innocent and they said that they had the wrong man. Uh, they were saying that Smith was this gentleman named Terry Wayne Smith was the actual baseline killer. His mother even said that she had heard him bragging about how many people he had killed. So he was released from prison two months before the baseline killings had begun. So it would make sense. He's out of prison. You know, he could have started the crimes. However, the DNA evidence confirmed Gudo for one. And then a thorough background was done on Smith that only showed circumstantial evidence. And he had even been in jail during one of the baseline crimes. So really wouldn't make sense for him to be the killer. The issue is Mark Hudo's wife, Wendy Carr, was a big proponent for the fact that Mark Hudo was 
innocent and he was wrongfully convicted. She even went so far as to create a website claiming his innocence, uh, attacking people who think he isn't innocent, that he was a baseline killer, and questions anything that really comes out about the baseline killer. Now we'll move on to the sentencing of Mark Goudot. On September 4th, 2006, Mark Goudot was arrested in connection to the sexual assault of two Phoenix sisters. So it started with the sisters, the one who was pregnant. Um, it was the uh, attack that tied to the baseline killer investigation. Once they had him tried for that, they were able to proceed with more of the charges presented against him with the DNA evidence. They kind of separated the trials. So Goudot was linked to the attack by DNA evidence that was collected shortly after the time of the crime. So prior to the trial, he sat in front of a grand jury for uh, the charges to see if he'd go to trial. Well, the defense attorney claimed that a member of the first grand jury was biased and had the case remanded to a new grand jury and the court judge upheld the indictments. The judge even had said that Gudo seemed like two different men, which is curious. On September 7, 2007, Gudo was tried and convicted of all 19 charges relating to the attack on the two sisters, and he was sentenced on December 14, 2007 to 438 years in prison for the sexual assault charges. There was, of course, the additional nine murders and his extensive crime spree, including 84 other felony crimes, totaling 93 felonies over the 10-month period. His second trial was for the 74 charges, including murder, robbery. Oh, I misspoke. It was the crime spree included 74 other charges, not 84. But yeah, so he was charged for the other 74, which included murder, robbery, rape, kidnapping, sexual abuse, and or assault of uh, minors and adults. So on November 30th, 2011, a Phoenix jury sentenced him to death on the murder charges relating to the baseline killings. He was convicted of 76 of the total 93 charges against him and sentenced to death nine times for each murder. And um, also just, you know, 1,634 years with the felonies, including the original trial for the rape of the sisters. Of course, he appealed the charges saying he should have been charged individually for the murders. That is what he took issue with apparently. But in 2016, the Arizona Supreme Court upheld the conviction. And Gudo is currently held on death row at Florence. That's our men's prison here in, Air in Phoenix, at least. I'm not sure what other prisons are. Are there any? I know Perryville is the woman's one. And that's like on my side of town because Florence is southeast Phoenix, like really southeast. Um, it's actually where Country Thunder happens. Kind of funny. And then... Perryville is like closer into town still kind of far out it's on the west side though um I don't need to just be saying this but anyway so that was the story no story sounds wrong so those were the crimes committed by Mark Gudo, the baseline killer and his resulting sentence I'm pretty happy with the sentence that he received it seemed very well deserving nine death sentences just a casual 1634 years you know that seems right <laughs> uh he was a horrific man he uh, a monster really 
uh, committing all these crimes, murders, rapes. I'm not really going to speak of the robbery because that just, while it does ruin someone's life, that's just material, you know. But doing that to people, murdering and raping them, targeting women, cornering them, you know, that's just fucking awful. And uh, he's getting what's coming to him. So happy about that. And uh, now you guys won't think I'm so weird for saying I have a personal connection to the story. It's not because I'm related to Marcudo or involved with his crimes or a victim of his crimes. No, it's just my uncle is the lead investigator, which I find pretty awesome. Glad that they were able to capture him and he's off the streets and he's getting justice, you know? Alrighty. I know some people disagree with the death sentence, you know, which, you know, I understand both sides of it, of course. But for a man like this, he may even be let off easy with just that. God, that sounds morbid. No, I'm just saying that I don't want to get political at all. That's the last thing I want on this podcast, but no one can get away with their crimes. I'll leave it at that. No one can get away with their crimes. That's good. Alrighty. So that is going to wrap up this episode. Again, it was a short one. I'm sorry. When I'm talking to myself, it gets kind of boring. I need multiple per. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> I was going to say I need multiple personalities. Keep it interesting. Well, I mean, multiple personality disorder isn't even a thing anymore. What is it? Uh, dissociative identity. And they take great offense to saying multiple personalities, which is understandable. I was I was a psych major, so I understand how that goes. Um, but anyway, yeah, shorter episodes. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer the longer ones, sorry. Uh, if you like the short ones, well, I'm bringing them. <laughs> but anyway, um... I hope everyone has a great day. I hope this story... Why do I keep calling it a story? It's not a story. It's its true. This true crime episode. That was my first one. Wow. It's my tr- first true crime. But um, I hope this doesn't haunt anyone too bad. I know he did a lot of horrific acts. And I didn't say, like, trigger warning. Sorry about that. But, you know, with true crime, that's that's to be expected. But anyway, I'll be talking to you guys next week. If you're following, I hope that you are and hope you have a great day. Bye.